From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. Okay, welcome to the first podcast of 2022. Uh, This is Kenny Dossie, Deputy Chief of Emergency Operations. Uh, We've got a special guest today, retired Captain Jeff Hughes. Hi, Jeff. Morning. Um, we're going to dedicate the entire show today to the health and safety um, of the firefighters. We're going to talk about cancer awareness and, more importantly, cancer prevention. Uh, this whole month is dedicated to cancer awareness and prevention here in OCFA, and no better uh, place than to talk about it here and to have uh, Jeff Hughes here. Before we get started, I think it's definitely pertinent for me to just uh, briefly uh, go over some stuff with what's going on with staffing. We've had this uptick in uh, COVID and COVID positives to the point of something that we've never experienced before and really no other fire department has experienced before talking to other agencies. But um, I, I just like to thank everybody for their sacrifices. I know this is a strain on people. I know it's not easy, um, but really it's a great example of individuals filling the oath that we all took to serve. Uh, I know me personally, I'm proud to serve with everybody. It's amazing how we have covered our stations, Uh, you know, the term resilience or just consistency. Um, The community can really count on us based on what everybody's doing. So thank you out there for for everything everyone's doing. I I realize that there's sacrifices. Um, You know, all this happened while we're starting to fix some of the problems, the firefighters, the firefighter paramedics, the engineers, there was a plan in place and it was being executed and the, the openings were very slim. Um, and I know we had a plan for the captains, and that's still moving forward. So um, hopefully if we can get through this, uh, things are looking a little bit brighter. But just some quick numbers for you on workers' comp, we have over 100. Out on COVID, we have over 130. Uh, openings in the department, uh, firefighter through captain, we have about 45. And then, you know, vacations and shift trades on, on a daily basis, about 50 to 60 a day. So real quick, I just want to review emergency condition. Everybody seems to be asking about that. And, and the rank and, and the individuals at Station 22 and Chief Contreras have done a great job helping staff. I know it's been a, a, a endless time for them to just continually deal with it. And we don't do this every day. We do only as needed. So we're not going to completely impact everybody. But we hire personnel availabilities first. Then we force into the 72. Then we rescind the rider refusals. Then we'll take a paramedic unit and we'll reconfigure if we can find somebody that's available. Then we'll force into the 96. The next thing is we could down staff the specialty units. Then we'll remove the voluntary protection days. Then we'll remove shift trades. Then we'll remove vacations. And then the last thing on there is if all personnel are held on duty, we can move anybody to whatever position we need to. So that's just it in a nutshell. There are a few other things that we're doing behind the scenes, holding some people over. We're talking about callback time. And once again, I want to uh, thank everybody for their dedication. So let's uh, jump back into the, the, the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, having Jeff here is great. We appreciate you coming down, Jeff. I'm happy to do it, for sure. I think the, the best thing is, is, is to start with, you know, just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself or your fire service career. My fire service career uh, started right after high school, actually. Uh, I was raised uh, by a Long Beach firefighter who had died. He got diagnosed with cancer the senior year when I was a senior in high school, uh, passed away the following year. Um, You know, 
I had the idea about becoming a firefighter, but when you're at 17 or 18, you know, do you really have the tools to go out and compete in that job market? So uh, gone to college and uh, um, really focused in on what I wanted to, uh, to create for myself and uh, uh, volunteered for a couple of departments, Huntington Beach, Fountain Valley. Uh, I was an apprentice in, in uh, Buena Park, got promoted to uh, really promoted to a firefighter. And, uh, and I worked there for about 10 years uh, until Buena Park uh, signed on with the Orange County Fire Department at that time in 1994. Uh, and I was a trucker, you know, I was a trucker almost my whole time in uh, Buena Park. Uh, I came over to uh, Orange County and uh, they AA'd me around, uh, but I landed at uh, Truck 22 and did 12 years there. Uh, went to Truck 59, so, it, you know, you can see the recurring theme here. So um, I really enjoyed my career. It went far too quickly. You look at 35 years, uh, sounds like a hell of a long time. Uh, and it feels like it was a blink of an eye. You know, uh, I always appreciated the people that I had the opportunity to work with. Uh, and, uh, in retirement, I went to work for the union as a wellness agent. Uh, that gives me the opportunity to have a little bit of flexibility in my schedule and then continue to uh, serve the people that serve the communities. So, uh, I can't imagine, a a better opportunity than to continue to help out the heroes. That's a great overview. So you're a trucker at heart, it sounds like, Pretty through much. and through. Um, this second question kind of jumps into what you just talked about a little bit. So what are you involved with now, kind of related to the fire department, uh, in retirement? I'm not very good at retiring. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the tr traditional um, retirement, activities. Uh, that's pretty much not the way I've been handling it. As soon as I retired from the department, I had background. I still had a, a, a lot of passion for some of the cancer awareness and prevention items that I was working on within the department. Uh, the union uh, offered me a, a business agent uh, position as the wellness agent uh, to continue to work on the things that I was passionate about. So uh, I immediately jumped into that. Uh, I work with the FCSN, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, as a California uh, state director. Um, I'm on the uh, National Fallen Firefighters uh, First Responders Center for Excellence uh, Firefighter Cancer Advisory Board. I'm speaking at the uh, National Firefighter Cancer Symposium in Ma Miami coming up as a representative for the Firefighter Cancer Cohort Study. Uh, and I also vice chair on the FireScope um, behavioral health uh, specialty group. So uh, it's busy times, uh, but I can be as engaged as I want to be engaged and uh, continue to help, like I said, in, in those elements of the profession that I really feel passionate about still need some help. We, we still are, have a lot of things to do. Still got a lot of stuff to work on. So. That's good. It uh, sounds like you're busier now than you were when you were here almost. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, jump into question number three. Uh, based on your experience in uh, dealing with other uh, departments and OCFA across the state and probably across the United States listening to your bio, how is OCFA doing overall with uh, cancer awareness and prevention? Well, I would say, uh, you know, the Orange County Fire Authority is doing very well, I think, on the awareness side. Um, I think... 
Um, the strong work that was done by the department this year in rolling out the information for the Firefighter Cancer Awareness Month, um, that was created right here in Orange County uh, as a means to spread the word for other departments, whether volunteer or professional, from US, through U.S. and Canada to raise awareness. But that doesn't prevent cancer. And so I think initially the awareness piece, we're doing it right. Um, but to me, there is something missing from the awareness uh, to the prevention. And, and very often, those words almost get interchanged with a uh, cancer awareness and prevention program uh, pretty closely. And they're two completely different things. Because you can raise awareness by telling folks, look, smoke is bad and, and all these things. Sleep might be an issue. Um, exposures on wildland fires, um, whether it's respiratory or dermal exposures. And yet, that's not going to prevent anything until you have other items in place and you have really leadership um, that guides a, a culture change. You know, we talk about uh, the culture change is so important for the health and safety of our people, but that's a really tall order. It takes five to ten years to change culture. It takes true leadership in that not allowing... Um, not allowing ambivalence, I guess, with, for lack of a better word, um, it's very real. You know, we were going to put uh, four names on the wall at the IFF wall this year. Um, I just heard yesterday that they're going to push Jerry Shacklett in, into next year. So, um, Coney, Shacklett, uh, and Danielson, uh, along with Gary Cole, uh, their names are going up on the wall. Three of those guys are from cancer. And, you know, we spend a lot of time training in those, you know, those fire ground elements and firefighter sur uh, survival. Um, but we don't do a lot of time training in those things that's putting our names on the wall. Um, memorializing our people and identifying that when somebody who's retired dies of cancer within a few years after re retirement, you know, very likely the service that that person provided to our communities caused a shortening of their lives. And maybe we're okay with accepting that, but we should recognize those things and then take action to ensure that we're limiting our exposures because a 35 year career, a lot of little exposures can add up because they accumulate inside your body. So that's a, that's an interesting answer. And, and when, you know, you say the word culture, um, I know you and I have seen a major culture change from the first day you started in the fire service along with me till now. We didn't even talk about cancer awareness. And now in the academies, they're, they're least giving, you know, a, an orientation and there's some, some SOPs and policies. We used to drag our bunkers and sleep right next to them, you know, in the dorm. So I, I, there's been some changes and that was, that was kind of the, the crux of my question. So um, I appreciate that answer and the passion that you have for it. And, and that goes hand in hand with my next question that I'm going to ask you really is, okay, there's, we got firefighters out there that are brand new all the way through seasoned, you know, captains, engineers, what can they do uh, today to limit their exposure? Because we're going to be exposed, but what can they do to prevent something? Like what's the top five? Well, I think, you know, 
Operational integrity is something that I've been thinking about that one. It's almost like a hashtag. But operational integrity really shows your ability to be a professional for your health and safety, taking care of really your health and safety affects your family in a positive way and taking care of the people who you work with, looking out for them, ensuring that we're just not um, short playing something that could really mean a lot over your, uh, your life. Um, so I think that operational integrity will lead into hopefully as part of that culture change. I think as far as a tactic, in my opinion, I think the Plyme event is the number one thing. You know, uh, before I left, we were able to secure over half a million dollars to have all of the department's um, Plyme events all on that same uh, level, right? It wasn't an upgrade to the system, uh, but it really just brought everybody to the same level from the pneumatic to the magnetic. Um, and, and then every vehicle had the right capture device, you know, because initially it was a mix of different systems and it was on the plan to take five years to get everybody on the same plate. So they fast played that, they got it up and running. And yet uh, I would say, I can't say, because I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking a majority of uh, uh, units will drive into the station and then connect that Plyme event. And the, the manufacturer even says, you want 100% capture, you should stop at the, at the threshold, connect it as you come in, um, and then drive in, rather than coast your vehicle in, turn it off, do all those other things that you would normally see. Um, you want 100% of that capture. Uh, you have your turnouts in that app room, uh, very often uh, you have PT gear, guys getting hot and sweaty in the app room with that fine particulate dust. And just because your unit uses diesel exhaust fluid doesn't make that exhaust safe. Diesel exhaust is a group one car carcinogen. Group one means known to cause cancer in humans. And whether you have deaf or not, it just changes the structure of it. It's still deadly. And the fact that we're coding our turnouts in it, we're okay with driving in because it's maybe too much hassle to stop. Uh, some folks have said, we're gonna, we don't wanna expose one firefighter to have to connect that thing. So by not wanting to expose that one firefighter, we're exposing the whole station. Uh, we actually did before I left, we had an industrial hygienist come out and actually we did 15 reps at station 55 where the firefighter wore a badge and monitored the air that he was exposed to by connecting the Plyme event. And uh, I never did see the results from that, but from what uh, uh, risk management had told me, the results were shown that the, there was no additional exposure. So, that to me seems to be a weak answer because I, like, I want to see it. I want to read it because it's not going to mean anything out there uh, uh, to somebody uh, that doesn't want to legitimately expose that one person. The bottom line is by not having somebody connect that thing, 
Uh, you expose the whole station and look in the app room of every station. You're going to see that fine partic particulate dust out there. It's diesel soot. And on uh, Saturdays, uh, engineers, when it's time to clean out the app room, don't use a blower. Don't use a leaf blower to blow that stuff out of there. You're just aerosolizing that stuff. And that is a group one carcinogen that you're liable to be breathing as you, uh, and by the way, I did it every week for a lot of years. So um, I'm definitely on, uh, the poster child for how not to do it. Uh, but it's my job now to, to maybe share this updated information so that you don't do it. So that's good. The plum event that, that <laughs> I hate to go back and tell stories, but when we're at 24s, there was so much soot on the wall, people could write their name in it. Yeah. And we never connected it. And, we and your turnouts were hung right by the, uh, on that same wall. Yeah, and, then, and then we stood there and pushed the button for the light. You just breathe in while you're waiting for everybody to get ready. Pretty, pretty interesting, the exposures and, and the changes that we've got over the years. So Plyme events, if you guys are listening out there, make sure to continue to connect those. Um, okay, uh, that brings us to our last question. Um, and can you give an overview of uh, where OCFA has been, kind of where it's at now, and then what you see for the future to uh, help prevent uh, cancer in, in all of our members? Well, in the past, I don't think it was just the OCFA culture. I think it was just firefighting culture in general. Um, we didn't know that there was an issue. Um, so, you know, we like to get dirty. You know, everybody has photos. There's tons of photos of firefighters out there that look like they'd been through the ringer, you know, dirty, sooty firefighters. Uh, look at the helmets and turnouts. Um, that was a very, God, I hate to say popular, but it, it really was. I mean, uh, there was uh, an upper, an executive manager uh, of this department a few years back uh, that I was walking through as a safety officer on a, a multi-alarm incident, and they had very clean turnouts, brand new turnouts. And they made the joke, well, gosh, I, I feel like I want to rub some soot on me. Um, and it was funny because I just thought, you know, that's exactly what we're trying to get away from. But at the time, it was very, it was very normal feeling. Like, hey, there's nothing against that person for saying that. But that was really how, how we were. It looked like if you look dirty, it showed that you were a worker. And I believe that folks want to be that worker. Uh, and so I think that definitely is the past. The the ambivalence to uh, wearing an SCBA uh, throughout overhaul, you know, not understanding. Now that awareness is here, we understand those things, and it's and it's very different. Um, you know, we got a, a a second set of turnouts here, which was kind of the the change in the direction that we were going. The respiratory uh, protection improvements that was uh, uh, really something that John Wilby really worked hard on. And then the skin cancer prevention thing, you know, risk management did a, 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 a survey to see what kind of cancers we were getting uh, the most. We get about 12 cancer diagnoses a year in this department, and most of those were skin cancer. So they put skin, um, the sunblock in every station, you know, and then some training as to how to, what to look for in your, on your body and, and to protect yourself. So. Presently, uh, the awareness piece is really changed. You know, the, the, the Cancer Awareness Month, 
the department is very involved in the firefighter uh, cancer cohort study, which is really the science that's FEMA funded, um, that really is, is showing us where those exposures come from and what can we do to prevent those things. Um, the equipment exchange programs uh, uh, here, we have a hood exchange programs with the new particulate blocking hoods. Um, those particulate blocking hoods were a brand new thing. That standard just was created in 2018. A glove exchange program, you know, uh, that really needs to be taken advantage of. Maybe nobody wants uh, clean gloves. You're not sure they're gonna fit right, but that's the, we work with our hands. And, and those gloves are usually the very dirtiest, the most dirty piece of equipment that we have. And so getting a fresh, clean pair of gloves, so important. And then the green buckets and, and, and the decon equipment. But, you know, uh, I think that's an important step. Uh, but as long as we remember to really follow and show it's a demonstration of taking care of yourself, removing the, the contamination off your gear, bagging your stuff and not carrying it in the cab. It's so critical. Um, how much that actually prevents cancer in our people, I'm not sure. But it's a step and, and, and it's kind of a wonky, difficult step. But we really have to take those measures to show that we care enough for our people. It's got to help. Yeah. In, in the future... Um, the International Agency for uh, the Research of Cancer uh, is revisiting the occupation of firefighters. I've been working with the Firefighter Cancer Cohort Study on this. They present in June, and they're likely going to upgrade cancer as an occupation as a carcinogen known to cause cancer in humans. Right now, it's probable that, that the occupation, but you know, in the future, when it comes to workers' comp cases for cancer, if IARC, an international agency for the research of cancer, recognizes these things, it'll really help claims in the future. That's definitely um, an important step. Clean cabs for uh, command vehicles, no longer carrying our, our gear inside uh, the passenger compartment is critical. Um, our investigators are involved in the cancer cohort study, and, and I really believe the uh, the International Association of Arson Investigators has a really great white paper, and we're not quite there in, in protecting some of our most exposed individuals on the department, are our investigators. Um, so I think we got some work to do there. Um, I think annual cancer screenings, you know, the, the WeFit Physical does a very good job. I think there's some stuff that we can do maybe better, uh, but then I don't write the check for these things. Uh, but... In the future, I think that's a direction to go. You know, early diagnosis saves lives and saves money, but uh, you gotta put some money up front possibly. So um, I'd like to be the work comp advocate for the local where if somebody gets a cancer diagnosis, you can call me direct. I'll, I'll put my phone number up on the website and, and I'll help. I mean, uh, I have uh, connections uh, uh, with some of the greatest doctors and scientists in the country for firefighter cancer. Um, and I want to be able to help those people, you know, that are kind of uh, winding their way through the workers' comp process. Uh, it's very convoluted and difficult, and uh, you're not alone. Uh, the firefighter, or the First Responder Center for Excellence is uh, hosting and paying for a, uh, a cancer seminar 
Uh, it's going to be really uh, taught by some of the leading scientists in the country. That's coming up in June. You should be hearing some of that from uh, the local. Though one of the uh, the local is going to help sponsor that as well. And then uh, the NIOSH uh, Total Worker Health Program is a NIOSH program for really total uh, health for our workers. And I think that's a really good direction to go. That's going to take some time to get done. Well, that was a great overview of uh, kind of where we've been and where we are right now. It sounds like we're going in the right direction, but it sounds like there's a lot of exciting stuff uh, in the future with you know science being involved and um, everyone else. And you know, listening to some of the videos inside of our material this month makes sense when you start talking about uh, people getting through the uh, process once they do get diagnosed. It was pretty interesting listening to some of those from our members. So. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for, num number one, obviously coming out here, but thank you for everything you do. Uh, even in retirement, you continue to help. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's awesome that uh, we have you available to us and, and that you're helping us. And not only us, it's the entire fire service. I even heard a rumor that you had a motorcycle and you drove it up and down the coast with a bunch of guys and stopped at fire stations just to tell them about, you know, how to p potentially prevent future uh, cancer exposures. Um, you know, t that takes a special type of person. So uh, we're super thankful for you, Jeff. And thanks for coming on the podcast with me. And, uh, and I'll just end it with uh, what I've already started it with is that I really appreciate everything everybody's doing out there. Hopefully you got something out of this. I appreciate um, everybody's sacrifices, um, what they've been doing. The resilience of the workforce is amazing. Um, nobody knows it was funny because I just trying to get away from this thanks everybody so much and we'll talk to you want to be that that definitely so I think the ambivalence to wearing an SCBA you know not understanding here